just bow our hearts for a word of prayer as we get into um, the message today. Elohi Avraham, Elohi Yitzhak, Elohi Yaakov, Elohi Yeshua, Mishikinu, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, God of Yeshua, the Messiah, we thank you and bless you today, Lord. We are grateful for all that you've done, that you've given us this wonderful Sabbath day. Lord, to be refreshed in you, to refocus our thoughts on what matters most, your kingdom and your glory. And so, Ab, I pray that you would refresh us today by your word and encourage us. We ask if Hashem Yeshua and God's people said, Amen. Um, today we will conclude our series on faith with a message entitled Faith in Action or Faith Acts. And um, there's going to be a requirement of you um, going forth from this series of messages and that is that your faith um, to be put into play, to be put into action, to um, be um, challenged to grow. Because I want to tell you that I feel in my spirit like never before, we have an opportunity before us in the world. We have an opportunity um, to present the good news, I believe, like never before. To believe for our loved ones, our neighbors, our friends our Jewish brethren, to come to faith in Mashiach because truly things are stirred up in the heavenlies, as we could see by just a uh, simple um, glance at the evening news, and I'm sure you caught what happened yesterday. And what we're seeing is, what we're seeing play out in the natural is a spiritual void in the hearts of men that cannot be filled by false religions or religion in general, but can be filled by the living God and his Messiah, Yeshua. And so we have an opportunity before us to exercise our faith, to see the kingdom of God grow like he desires. You know, he tells us in a parable, the Messiah, he said the kingdom of God is like a little yeast. Who's a baker in here? We, we did, you know, the baking thing, right, for Thanksgiving. My girls were baking and baking. I actually did some baking, by the way, <laughs> this year. Chocolate, chocolate cake, right? That's what I made. I had a very, very thin sleeve. <laughs> and the key to the yeast, right, is you put just a little bit in. But it works through the whole batch of dough. And my wife was, her, her roll dough went in and out. You know, it was on the uh, counter proofing and goes in the refrigerator it gets punched down but that yeast keeps causing it to rise it worked its way through the whole batch of dough just that little bit that is put in and so Yeshua said that is what the kingdom of God the Malchut Elohim is the same way that just a little bit just a few people start to by faith share their story with others and that the kingdom of God grows and expands. And I believe that we're living in, in exciting times, in times where we have an unprecedented opportunity to see that take place. Um, faith in action that we'll be speaking on today is really the culmination of the kind of real world faith that I spoke of at the opening message. We can claim that we are this, that, and the other, but it is truly our actions that prove to God, the world, and the enemy 
who we really are as it pertains to our life and faith. Right? Isn't it? It's our actions that prove to the world, to God and to the enemy, the life of faith that we lead. In Messianic Jews chapter 11, I don't have a PowerPoint today, so you're going to have to use your, your Bible, your e-book, your tree book, whatever you've got. And we're going to be looking here in Messianic Jews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29 through 30. And it says, by faith, they walked through the Red Sea as through dry land. They walked. They didn't say, God, I have faith and do it. They had to literally do the scary part, didn't they? It's scary to be facing the Red Sea and having to walk through it with walls of water to the right and left. Even though it was a supernatural feat, still scary, and it took courage to do. It said when the Egyptians tried to do it, the sea swallowed them up. Why? Because they did not have faith in the God of Israel. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. And after the people had And here's the key to that. And after the people had marched around for seven days, right, like God prescribed, after they did that seemingly silly activity, I mean, really, we think the walls are going to fall after marching around them and shouting and blowing shofars? But they did, because they did it by faith. God sets our route in life, does he not? And we're called to overcome the obstacles by emunah by our living faith. I want us to know this. You know, I love you guys, and I want to see the Lord do what he wants to do in your life, but it takes our cooperation and our faith. Wherever your faith level is, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it needs to get higher. Our faith needs to grow. It needs to be challenged. It needs to be stretched. You know what? We like to be in a comfortable place, don't we? But God doesn't want us too comfortable for too long. God is always and ever pushing us to our limits of faith. Why? Because he wants our faith to grow so he could use us in an even greater way. Someone wrote, we don't choose what we will do for God. He invites us to join him where he wants to involve us. You see, God, in other words, he has a plan for us. And where he wants to involve us, he invites us to join. It's our job to take action where he invites us to join. I want to draw your attention to Yaakov chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if some, someone claims to have faith but has no actions to prove it? Is such faith able to save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and someone says to him, Shalom, keep warm and eat hearty, without giving him what he needs. What good does it do? Thus, faith by itself, unaccompanied by actions, is dead. But someone will say that you have faith and I have actions. Show me this faith of yours without the actions, and I will show you my faith, by my actions. You believe that God is one? Good for you. The demons believe it too. And the thought 
makes them shudder with fear. But foolish fellow, do you want to be shown that such faith apart from actions is barren? Wasn't Avraham Avinu declared righteous because of the actions when he offered up his son Yitzhak on the altar? That's important because Avraham is the father of faith, right? Right? He believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. But he didn't just believe intellectually, right? He believed and was willing to put his promised prized son on the altar. He proved that he really believed God by what he did. Wasn't Avraham Avinu declared righteous because of his actions when he offered up Yitzhak? You see that his faith worked with his actions. By the actions, the faith was made complete and the passage of the Tanakh was fulfilled, which says Avraham had faith in God and it was credited to his account as righteousness. He was even called God's friend. You see that a person is declared righteous because of actions and not because of faith alone. Likewise, wasn't Rachav, the prostitute, also declared righteous because of actions when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another route? Listen to me. I think we've said it several times, but it's important to note that real faith requires us taking risks. What would have happened to Rachav if those spies were found in a home? No questions asked. She put her life on the line by doing and taking action concerning her faith in God. It's interesting, right? Indeed, just as the body without the spirit is dead, so too faith without actions is dead. So I have just two points I want to make today concerning faith in action. And I want to see us grow in this area of faith. Folks, there is a world that needs to know the good news of Messiah. There are people who are in need of a touch from the Almighty. And we have the answer. Faith that acts starts with having the right heart condition. Someone wrote this. Many people want God to call them to a big assignment. However, they try to bypass the love relationship. The love relationship is why God created you. That is far more important to him than what you do. So anticipate that God will start working with you and drawing you to an intimate love relationship that is real and personal. And if you don't think so, ask Moshe. As he was out in the wilderness and God called to him from a burning bush, And God was always calling Moshe alone and apart to himself, wanting to fellowship with him. When the love relationship is right, God will be free to begin giving you assignments at his initiative. Whenever you do not seem to be receiving assignments from God, said this writer, focus on the love relationship and stay there until the assignment comes. But what does it say in Romans 10? 
The word is near you, in your mouth and your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. That if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, right? You shall be delivered. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There we have a perfect picture of faith, right, that begins in the heart and it leads to an action of confession. And note this, that in this day, confession wasn't made in a side room with no one watching. It was confession before the whole community of Israel to say, I believe that Yeshua is Mashiach. And like many in this room know that when you do that, sometimes it costs you your family. Takes courage. This is really important because action by itself is just works. Only when combined with a heart rooted in faith does it produce what God desires. Too many people are trying or relying on intellectual assent in their approach to God and his word. Now, The result is there are many people who have an incredible amount of knowledge about scripture and can quote or are familiar with many biblical passages and principles. These people do not have an information problem. But what they have is an experiential relational problem. Ask yourself that question. They suffer from a lack of experiential encounters with the person of God. This leaves them ever wondering and trying to reconcile the information that they have collected from the word of God in their minds with the reality of living life. Before God. So I read that God is all these things. And that he does all these things. I see him interacting with humankind all throughout the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah. And yet all I seem to do is have a bunch of information. And I don't experience it for myself. Faith in action starts with the right heart condition. A heart condition that has drawn near to God and that experiences God. Not in a weird way. In a very naturally supernatural way. Experience God. I want to venture to say that each one of us need to experience God on a regular basis. Someone said, there is a world of difference between knowing something to be true in your head and experiencing the reality in your life. And so many people can relate to that in their relationship with God. We know these truths to be true in our head, 
But in our life, we haven't experienced it. Here's the good news. It could change today. Romans 10 tells us, then faith comes by hearing, by really hearing, by really grasping, not just in a mental way, not just for a test. I collected information, I could spit it forth, right? But by really hearing it in my heart. Do you really hear it when I say this statement that God loves you? Some people hear it. Some people don't. Faith comes by hearing these truths that he's speaking to me, that it's for me. Truly hearing and understanding what someone is saying is one of the hallmarks of relationships, isn't it? Married folk, isn't it true? Right? My wife is always telling me, you're not listening. I'm always listening. Sometimes I was, sometimes I wasn't. You're not listening. You're not paying attention. Did you hear what I said? Hearing is one thing. Understanding is another thing. Right? And sometimes, as I can only speak for men, sometimes we hear things we're not totally understanding the whole thing. So did you hear me? Yes, I heard you. I heard the words. I heard, I heard it, but I didn't really understand it. We could do that with God. It's a mistake. Do you see what the Talmudim always did to Yeshua? Lord, what did you mean? I heard what you said. Awesome parable, by the way. But what did it mean? <laughs> what does it mean for me in my life? How do I incorporate it? And he would tell them. Because they understood that just hearing the words wasn't enough. Matter of fact, the crowd did that, didn't they? The crowd heard the words and said, good message. You got stuff to do. See you again tomorrow, Yeshua. But the people who really wanted to understand and have living faith, emunachaya in their heart, would go back and say, Lord, what did that mean? It's a pursuing of God, the right heart condition that wants to know. Wants to know. In life, all the education in the world, though important, cannot substitute for real world experience the same is true spiritually speaking many of you who know me know that this is one of my favorite passages of scripture that I'm going to read to you it's found in Yohanan Aleph chapter 1 and it says from the very first day we were there taking it all in we heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes. Verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we are telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. 
the infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. This experience of fellowship with the Father and His Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. That's good news. Your joy will double our joy. You see what he's saying? Friends, we've experienced him, touched him. We want you to know this same experience as well. He didn't say, I just want you to know this information. Memorize this letter so you can tell the other kehilot. He said, I want you to know it for yourself. Experience the reality of the living one. That would be a good passage of scripture to just lay open in your devotional time and say, God, I want that. I want to experience him in that way. Many people have grown up attending a congregation and hearing about God all their lives, but they do not have a personal dynamic, growing relationship with God, says Henry T. Blackaby in his book, Experiencing God. You see, it's about having a personal, dynamic, growing relationship with God that makes it worthwhile. Think about if you had, you didn't have a dynamic, growing relationship with a spouse. You would be disappointed. If you didn't have a dynamic, growing relationship with your children, you would be disappointed. Well, guess what? In our relationship with God, anything less than dynamic and growing should cause us to seek further that relationship with him. It's a heart condition. You see, the reality of experience of God, experiencing God, is knowing that God is always at work around you. It's an awareness of God. It's knowing that God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. That it's not a religious thing. It's not just going through the actions and the motions. Our actions are connected with a hard feeling of passion about the God that we serve. Friends, I want to tell you that we're getting, and we're see, we're getting schooled by people who serve demons. who are willing to die for their cause, for evil, who murder people in the name of their God with abandon. Do you know what that is what grew the first century Kehillah, the, the antithesis of that? Believers who are willing to go to their death rather than deny the faith they had in Mashiach. They were sent to arenas to get eaten by lions. They were skewered on poles to light Nero's demonic and demented gardens. 
but they cared not because they knew in whom they believed and they would not deny him. They knew, would not turn back. They wouldn't even pay homage. They said, so be it. I'll go to a better place with the Messiah and be with God. You know how people do that? Because the heart condition, that's the only way you could do that. Because they were fired up for God. The reality of experiencing God is knowing that God speaks by the Ruach HaKodesh through scripture, through prayer, circumstances, through the congregation. He reveals himself and his purposes in these ways. It's knowing that God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith in action. Was not Moshe always in a crisis of belief? Right? God called him to something that was so far over his head at every turn. And Moshe is finding himself in a crisis over and over again. Being stretched beyond his limits over and over again. It's a good thing to be in a crisis in that way. It drives us to the heart of God. It means that we must make major adjustments in our life to join God in what he is doing. You know what? I've been around the kingdom of God for a long time. And I always hear people saying things like this. God, what am I supposed to do for you? God, what do you have for me? What's my calling? And God's saying, I'm already doing it. Jump in. I'm, I'm doing it. The kingdom of God is, is among you. It's in operation. You know what the, the kingdom, we're going get to get to it later. But it's about seeking and saving the lost. You know? Yeshua came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And for the nations. You come to know God by experience as you obey Him and He accomplishes His work through you. Blackaby wrote this statement The Bible is the record of God accomplishing His purposes through His people. It's not the record of His people's walk with Him. Isn't that interesting? It's about God. In other words, God has an agenda and He's looking for us to get in on the agenda. And I know what happens. The human condition thinks that by jumping into what God's doing, we're going to lose ourselves a little bit. Well, that is the point, isn't it? If you, love you, if you lose your life, you'll find it. But we think somehow that God, we're going to lose the fun, the zip in life. If I just wholeheartedly throw myself into what God has for me, but the truth couldn't be further from that. When we jump into what God's doing, It's the most exciting, dynamic thing we could ever do and find. Because he wired us in a specific way that when we're in the flow of how he created us to be, it just works. We must come to a denial of self and a return to a God-centeredness with our lives. 
So the right faith-filled heart condition will move you to obey God. And faith in action is seen through our obedience to God. Listen to this story. Through the United Press comes the report, it's an illustration, that termites have eaten through a large stack of pamphlets entitled Control the Termites in the mailing room of the University of California at Berkeley. Maintenance men made the discovery. One would naturally expect that the university buildings would be free of termites because of such a center of higher education is, is so much known so much is known of termites and the destruction they cause. But it is, this, it is one thing to have in a pamphlet the information concerning the control of termites and quite another thing to make a practical application of that information. And on speaking to his Talmudim in one occasion, Yeshua said regarding the things that he taught them, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So we could have information lying around that is powerful and effective when put into practice. But if never put into practice, it just doesn't work. Turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come. You whom my Father has blessed, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you from the founding of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you made me your guest. I needed clothes and you provided them. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the people who have done what God wants will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and make you our guest or needing clothes and provide them? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will say to them, yes, I tell you that whenever you did these things for one of the least important of these brothers of mine, you did them for me. You see, all the verbiage and extracurricular activities in the world will not supersede required obedience to the directives of God. That's what he's really looking for us is simple obedience. Abraham, go. Go to a land I will show you. Now listen to me. Don't you think I understand that that's pretty darn scary? For a man just to pack up his house and go to a place that he will show him, not even a direct location initially. Just get up and go. Yeah, that's scary. Yes, that will challenge every fiber of faith that you have. But that's how faith grows. When God does show you. I was telling someone this week, I think I mentioned it last week. You know, God giving people specific directions. Go and make a left here and a right there. Who were in dire situations behind the, the, the ex uh, former Soviet Union, the Iron Curtain. And as they obeyed the voice of the Spirit, God would lead them exactly and specifically to things they needed to survive. 
Obedience. You know what? That's very much like the patriarchs that we read in the Tanakh. They heard God's voice and they obeyed it. See, they had a relationship with God, so they heard it. That's the first step. But then after hearing it, they obeyed it. And you and I need to obey as well. Once we have that inward belief, you hear me? That inward belief as the catalyst. Too many people are trying to get the cart before the horse. They're trying to do things and call it faith when they don't really have an inner belief in their heart yet. You have to have it in your kishkas. That you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. God and what he's saying to you. And then you could act upon it. See, if you just read the word and say, well, God says I could do this and try to go do it. That's not what it's about. Those people that heard God and did it had a strong inner belief that they were hearing from God and God wanted them to do it. We need that. Do you know where that comes? Through hours upon hours upon hours of seeking the face of God, sitting in the presence of God, worshiping God, reading his word, getting to know his voice, getting to know his word, getting to know how he leads you, which is different than how he leads me. Knowing the nuances of how he is operating in your life and going with it. Do you hear me? That's how we get that. And then when you know it, you could stand on it for certain. That I know that God said this. And it's going to work out. But if we just read it and don't have that strong knowing in our heart, that's not the way it works. Mark eleven twenty three says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He doesn't have a doubt in his heart. He knows that God is with him and that he could speak to those things that, are, that stand in the way of what God has called him to do. So if God is calling us to something and there's something in our way, a mountain, a challenge, we could speak to that challenge and say, be removed in the name of the living God of Israel, in the name of the Messiah. And in confidence, you're going to know that God is going to make a way for you to get through it. You see, the living faith, hear me, that we accumulate through our daily interactions with God still has to look at the real mountains of challenge that are before us without wavering in unbelief. It's faith in the face of the enemy. You hear that? Oh, it's so easy to have faith when when everything's going smooth, isn't it? We read and Mm. powerful we can strut our stuff be careful about that by the way (laughs) you can strut your stuff and you can almost come off a little arrogant see David didn't have that David had a faith though in the face of the enemy 
David's finding himself anointed king of Israel, promised by God. But now he finds himself in a cave, surrounded by these people that want to kill him. And then God sends to these cave all these disenfranchised folks. Welcome back. All these disenfranchised folks. And he's saying, my goodness, I'm going to do what with these guys? Did he say that? No, because he had a faith in God even though his enemy was real. Right outside the cave, breathing down his throat, he had faith. He had faith in the face of Goliath. How many of us would have faith in a trained warrior who stood about 10 foot tall and he looked like a super freakoid version of Rock Johnson at 10 foot tall? And David was about five foot, soaking wet, 150 pounds, you know. Not many. But in the face of the enemy, David had faith in God. See, we want to have faith. But we have to understand the faith that we accumulate is only going to come to bear when we look in the enemy straight in his eyes. That's the proof as to where our faith really lies. Hey, and don't be disappointed, P.S., if your faith fails a time or two. That's all right. Your faith will fail a time or two, maybe three. That's all right. But you keep going back to the drawing board who is God and say, God, I need some more. God, I crumbled under that one. I saw him rear his head and I was scared to death. You ever say that to God? I've said that to God. God, I'm scared. I'm scared at what I'm seeing. You know what God does? He doesn't rebuke you. He does what God always does. Come on. Come hang out with me. Because that's the only place where our faith is strengthened. It's tested in the face of our enemy. Right? That's where obedience comes in, that in the face of our enemy, we have to believe that I'm going to take a stone to defeat the giant with God's help. I have to believe that when I take the first step across the Red Sea, it's going to open. I have to believe when I speak to the mountain of challenge that's before me, it's going to be removed. And my faith will allow me to obey. I'll tell you a story real quick. David Hogan tells this story. If you don't know David Hogan, a powerful man of God, still being used, he has seen tremendous, tremendous miracles. He's working in um, Central America, establishing congregations, seeing people healed from every single body part he's seen recreated or healed. He's seen 21 people raised from the dead. Now we say, oh, he said, well, listen, before you get so excited, he said, I've prayed for hundreds. (laughs) So we would say, wow, 21, that's awesome, that's crazy, right? He said, I've prayed for hundreds. And he tells this story. One day there was a, a storm, and the, the, the little Indians come over and get them, 
Brother David, Brother David, one of the kids fell into the uh, river and he's not coming up. So he goes to the edge of the river. He said he's a good swimmer. He dives in the river. And the river is black because of the storm. And the kid is tangled up in the tentacles of like a willow tree. The limbs are underwater. The kid's tangled up. He finds the kid. He cuts the kid loose. He gets the kid back on shore. And the kid's down like he's down 12 minutes already. And he says he's standing over this kid and he's feeling the eyes of everyone and he's feeling the peer pressure to pray and he gives in to the peer pressure and instead of praying for the kid, he just walks away. The kid dies, obviously. 12 minutes underwater, he's dead. And no one's faulted him for it. You know, he, he did what he could, tried to save, but he didn't pray. He didn't. God told him to pray, that was the key. God said, pray for him and I'll raise him up. And because of the peer pressure and the fear, he didn't do it. And he turns and he walks away. And he said, for the next two weeks, the enemy tormented me day and night and night and day to the point where he was incapacitated. He couldn't go out and do his normal routine, and he was just devastated. Until one day, his wife got a hold of him and said, David, either you get up and you go out and do what God called you to do, or let's go home. And he got back into it, and he went out, and slowly but surely got back into the swing of things and started to see God do powerful things. But he said, I learned a very, very valuable lesson that day. That obedience to God is everything. He said, I will never feel like that again. I will never have that feeling of hell breathing down my neck for two weeks by disobeying God. And he said, and matter of fact is, I will not even entertain those thoughts that try to come and sit at the table with me. No, they're not even allowed at the table, he says. I will obey God. And the point is twofold from that story is, one, here's a man of God that's seen tremendous things, failed to obey God. His faith failed. We would see him as a giant in the faith, and yet his faith failed. Just like your faith has failed and my faith has failed and perhaps it'll fail again at one point. But the other part of the story is he learned a lesson about obeying God, that when we obey God, we can look to the mountain in its face and say, be cast into the sea and expect God to come through. But we could see God do powerful things in our family and in our lives by believing what God says. Do you know what? We exist as a Jewish nation because Moshe obeyed God. Folks, there weren't a lot of people looking to obey the God of Israel, but Moshe obeyed. Pretty powerful.
That's why each of us must attend the school of daily obedience to God in the little details of life so that when the mountains of challenge are before us, friends, there's a lot of challenges you and I are going to face in the future. When they're standing before us, it's going to be the little details of obedience that we've done day in and day out before God that is going to allow us to obey again when the challenge is difficult. I want to tell you that God is a great and mighty God. Everything you read about God is true. And everything he's done for anyone else in the Bible, he will do for you. He's not a respecter of persons. He will do it for you. He can do it for you. He wants to do it for you. The only thing he needs from us are two things, faith and obedience. I'm going to close with this little aspect that's really important too. You see, obedience requires courage. Courage. It's not for the faint of heart to walk by faith in the living God that you can't see who calls us always to do impossible things. Look what he says to Joshua. Count how many times he uses the word courage. Be strong and of good courage. For to you this people... For to to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moshe my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why do you think he said that to Joshua so many times? Because Joshua was going to have the opportunity to be scared to death. That's why. And let me tell you, if we were in Joshua's shoes, we'd be scared to death too. To see the things. You ever see a a group of giants (laughs) that lived in the land? Joshua did. And the only thing that he probably kept telling himself, you want to talk about a verse to memorize, he probably had that down. Be strong and very courageous, Joshua. He's probably walking into this stuff saying, you can't make this up. God, I'm going to be strong and courageous in you because the things he saw were likely to make the bravest of men melt in their tracks. It takes courage to obey God. It takes courage for Jewish people to say, I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah and face the consequences that come along with it. 
It takes courage to live for God in your workplace when everyone else seems to do whatever they want. It takes courage. To obey God is to take a risk. However, it is a calculated risk that factors in the character, factors in the character and nature of the God who we have come to know. It is a risk that takes into consideration the track record of God. Far too many believers want to play it safe. They want to hang back in the boat and let Kepha do all the walking on the water stuff. We want mountain-moving faith, yet when mountains of challenge are before us, we complain to God and wonder why is this challenge coming into our lives. Friends, you don't get it. You were built for challenge. The believer is built for mountains to be standing in your way and you to overcome them. That's in your DNA. If we want our faith to grow, then we must learn to take risks in God. We must be willing to step out onto the tumultuous water as we fix our eyes on Yeshua, the author and perfecter of our faith. And say, you know what? I'm not looking to the right or to the left. I'm just keeping my eyes on him. When you face challenge in your physical body and maybe with your health, and you say, you know what? I'm looking to God. When you face challenge, maybe in your finances, and you say, you know what? I'm going to do what I need to do, but I'm fixing my eyes on the God I serve. And he's going to somehow make a way where there seems to be no way. He's going to make a roadway in the wilderness and streams in the desert and he's going to get it done. I'm just going to keep looking to him. I'm going to keep believing and keep trusting and keep overcoming. If we want the faith that can move mountains, then we must exercise our faith when the mountain of challenges before us, as scary as it might be, as big and ugly as it might seem, then and only then does our faith develop. Faith in action is faith that makes a real difference in the real world and it grows and develops. Our faith should never be the same. You should be a greater person of faith today than you were 10 years ago. You should be able to believe God for more today than you did then. You know, what would happen, God forbid, if America wasn't America anymore, like we know it? What would you do? Know what you would do? Just what you're doing now. You'd live by faith in God. Because you know everything you have now comes from God, right? He got it to you. And everything you would need then, you would get the same exact way from God. See, there's nothing to fear when we have faith in God. Because he'll get it to us. He'll provide for us. He'll help us. He'll protect us. He'll be with us. You see, when we talk about taking risks, that means we risk failure, like Kepha. We risk humiliation. We risk looking foolish to those around us. We risk setbacks. It's all right. Anyone who ever succeeded failed more times than they succeeded. And there's no doubt that we, like great men and women of God before us, like Moshe himself who failed... 
I mean, we ever think of Moshe? I mean, this guy put up with 40 years of convention, and he doesn't even get in. Doesn't get in. I mean, what a tease. Get to see it from afar, but you can't go in. Kepha walked with the Lord. You know, how many of us said, if, oh, if, I could, if I lived back in the day of Yeshua and saw him and touched him, right? Kepha did that and failed him. But we have to look at the end result. The end result was he kept going. He picked himself up and kept moving forward in God. And by faith, he overcame. You see, Yeshua calls us to show that our faith is alive by our actions. And I want to close with this verse. Because in reality, our faith that we're developing in that quiet place with God, that we're building in our heart to face challenges that are set before us, and the faith that we're putting into action are really for a specific purpose. He's given us a directive And he said this, Yeshua came and talked with them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Everything. There's, you know, nothing, no higher authority, right? And they said, therefore go and make people from all nations into Talmudim. Immersing them in the reality of the Father. The reality of the Father. The Son in the Ruach HaKodesh and teaching them to obey Everything that I've commanded you, remember, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Our faith is meant for that very purpose, to expand the kingdom of God and to teach them about Yeshua and his ways. The imperative is to go and to do these things and teach obedience through your faith in action And as this series ends, I pray that your faith quest, wherever it is, would continue. I pray that you would not say, okay, we're done with faith, now we'll move on to the next thing. That you would continue to work on your faith every single day. And say, God, I need more faith. I need to, what what are you saying by that? God, I need to know you better. I need to know you more. I need to have your presence in a greater way in my life. God, I need to experience you. God, I need you to be so real in my life that when I see mountains, I don't fear and melt and turn away in fear, but rather I press forward because I know you're with me. Isn't that what the psalmist wrote? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say I'm doomed. I walk through the valley of the shadow of curtains for me. He said, no, you are with me. See, he knew God was with him in the deepest, darkest times of his life. God, you're with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because he knew God. That's my prayer for each and every one of us, that we would know God like that, that it would cause us to obey God without fear, without trepidation, without wondering, is it going to work out? It's going to work out for you. It's going to work out for your family. No matter what comes down the pike, it's going to work out for you because God is with you. Amen? Amen. Let's just uh, bow our hearts and let's pray. Why don't you give God thanks?
God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. Lord, that you, Lord, are the one that gives us a measure of faith. By seeking you, it grows. We put it into action and we see the things that we read about in your word come to fruition. If you're in this room and you've never made that decision to give your life to the Messiah, it's an important decision to make. It's how we have a relationship with the God of Israel through the Mashiach of Israel. I want to ask um, the folks uh, who pray normally to come up and you know I understand that um, we're all in different places in our walk with God some of us are stronger some of us are weaker some of us are going through some things and uh, sometimes you need just you need some help. You need someone to pray with you. And uh, Jim's going to put something on, and we're going to have a time of prayer if you need it. Um, if you don't need it, you're free to go. But I would encourage you to everyone. Five weeks we spent on faith. that you spend a few minutes saying, God, grow my faith. God, give me the desires of my heart to know you, to really know you, to be able to look my mountain of challenge in the face and trust you to overcome it. Some of you in this room really need God in a big way to come through. Good news is he always comes through in a big way. Amen. So, thank you, Lord. So, if you want prayer, come up now. If you want, listen, if you've never given your heart to Messiah, do it now. We're living in terrible times, but we serve a wonderful God who sent the Messiah just in time to save us to atone for us, to help us and be with us. So if you need just prayer for anything, come forward. If you um, want to pray to...